Well, good morning, everybody. This morning, I want to share with you the message of the book of Haggai. It's a prophetic message in a very small book in the Old Testament. And it's, a, it's an important book because it was at a time of disillusionment. Because the people of God had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. The younger generation had lost their home language of, of Hebrew. They had begun to speak the Aramaic language, which, of course, if you've ever seen the Jesus film, the Jesus film was actually done in the Aramaic language because that was the language of Nazareth where Jesus grew up. That was his mother tongue, not Hebrew. It was Aramaic. So when they did that film, they were wanting to be authentic, so they did it in the Aramaic language. Well, there was disillusionment, particularly amongst the older generation, the memories of the, the glorious temple of God in Jerusalem that had been destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar was being lost. They were losing their culture. They had lost their language. But there had been a prophecy by the prophet Jeremiah that after 70 years, they will be restored again to the land. Why 70 years? Well, the children of Israel had been rather naughty. Uh, they were supposed to give the land a rest year every seven years. And for 490 years, they had disobeyed God and not had what they called the sabbatical year where the land was to be rested and to be refreshed. Now, in 490 years, how many Sabbath years? A Sabbath year is every seventh year. So how many Sabbath years in 490 years? 70. That's why they went into captivity for 70 years. Forced rest for the land. So they had been in a time of disillusionment. It was getting close to the end of that 70-year period of time. And they were wondering how this was ever going to come to pass. Now, a little bit of the background on chronology. Chronology is not a, a really inspiring subject. But there was a, a great man who did a lot of research trying to work out the chronologies of the Bibles. His name was Bishop Usher. But he made a few mistakes in the times of the Persian kings. And it turns out that there was uh, a 79-year mistake that was made. And so some of the dates and the dates in which we try to work things out uh, were a little bit wrong. But there was another man by the name of Dr. Martin Anstey um, who found and corrected the mistake that um, Usher had made. So it brought the command to rebuild the city, to return again back to the land of Israel, back by 40, uh, 79 years, back to 400 and 57 BC instead of 536 BC. And that had a big impact on understanding um, Bible prophecy, especially in Daniel 9, 24 to 27, where there was a command. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks, that's seven weeks of of years and 62 weeks of years. So seven by seven, that's 49 years. And 62 by seven, that's 434 years. A total of 483 years. So the prophecy was that after this command, 
in another 483 years, the Messiah is going to come. That was a prophecy of the first coming of the Messiah, Jesus. But because of this, this error in the chronologies, it was a little bit confusing. But there were some people who were alive in Jesus' day when Jesus was a baby. One was Anna. She was a prophetess, an old lady. And then there was um, another man, uh, Simeon, who was, he thought, oh, I'm too old. Uh, I'm not going to be able to be alive until the Messiah comes. But they had believed in the promise and they waited in the temple. And then Joseph and Mary came and brought the baby Jesus. And their hearts rejoiced because in the spirit of God, they recognized this was the Messiah. They thought they were too old. It was, wasn't going to happen in their lifetime. But they were given a special foretaste because Jesus had not yet been messiahed. Messiahed means anointed. That didn't happen until the year 26 AD when Jesus was baptized. So from the time of the command, 457 BC by King Cyrus, down to the time that Jesus was baptized and anointed or Christed, messiahed with the power of the Holy Spirit, was exactly 483 years. He was not one year too early, not one year too late. He was right on time. Like it says in Galatians 4 and verse 4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son into the world. Now, we have just a bit of a diagram just to give you a bit of an idea. There's the 49, the 434 years up to Messiah. And then the last week of that particular prophecy, it says in the middle of the week, the Messiah is going to get killed, but not for himself. And he's going to put an end to, to, to sacrifices. Well, after three and a half years of his ministry, because that one week is seven years, after three and a half years, when Jesus was crucified, he said, it's finished. No more sacrifice for sin. You know, before that, for thousands of years, they had been sacrificing bulls and goats and sheep. But now Jesus had come and he was the Lamb of God, the one sacrifice for sin, the one who would be the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. And he came right on time. And in the middle of the week, in the middle of that 70th week, he was crucified. But then there's a problem. What about the last three and a half years? And in Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 9 and chapter 12, it talks about this. And particularly in chapter 12, the prophet Daniel was saying, Lord, when's this last part going to happen? And the Lord says to him, don't you know? And he says, no, I don't know. So if you think you don't know, don't be disappointed. Even the prophets didn't know. But God said to Daniel, close the book. It's sealed until the time of the end. And that's why when you read in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, 12, and 13, there's a three-and-a-half-year period coming, which will actually be the end of that particular prophecy. And we are in that period of time that is getting closer and closer to the fulfillment. Now, it's in the midst of this particular prophecy, going back to 400 and 
57 BC and a few years before that, going back to 536 BC, in that period of time, we have the restoration under Ezra. And under Ezra, in uh, chapter 6 and verse 14, it says, So the elders of the Jews built, and they prophesied, they, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo, and they built and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel, according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. Chapter 44 and verse 28. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. So he had brought to pass this prophecy. The amazing thing is, this prophecy actually about Cyrus in Isaiah chapter 44 was made 150 years before Cyrus was born. So God knows the future. And when he's prophesying and things, so Cyrus who gives the command, we're told about him 150 years before he's born. And he prophesies about the coming of the Messiah and he's going to be the anointed one 800 years before the Messiah is born. This tells us our God knows everything. He knows the times. He knows the future. He knows your life. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what you're thinking. And when they began to rebuild the temple, they got a bit discouraged. There was a bit of opposition. And so in the book of Haggai, we have six prophecies. There are six prophetic messages. Three in chapter 1 and three in chapter 2. Now, the three in chapter 1, in Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, uh, this tells us that God knows what we're thinking. Everything that you say, do, think, God knows. He is omniscient, which means he knows everything. That's in the first prophecy. The second prophecy, in chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, consider the consequences of not believing nor obeying God's vision and the call to respond. And then the third prophecy in Haggai 1, 12 to 15, what happens when we respond and when we start to obey the word of God? Okay, let's have a look at the first message. In Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, uh, here's the prophecy. It says, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. See, they had a few problems. God had sent them back. He'd given the command under Cyrus to build the house, to restore Jerusalem. But they faced a bit of opposition, so they began, oh, it's not the time. They got a bit discouraged. And so God's first message was, I know what you're thinking. Now you're, you're saying the time has not come. Got a few difficulties. Ah, oh, can't be God's time. If it was God's time, surely everything would be nice. How would Jesus go saying, oh, I don't think it's the right time to get crucified? <laughs> Look, when things are going tough, We've got to find out what is the plan and purpose of God in the midst of it. Now, so the first message was, I know what you're thinking. Second one, second message. This is in 
chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. The word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? You're saying things are getting tough, so we're not going to build God's house. We're going to build our own house. Forget about God. There's a problem with their priority. What's number one? Well, in Australia, we know, looking after number one. I mean, looking after yourself. But God was saying that his priority is the number one priority. And if we want the best, then we need to go and find out what is God's priority. It's like the old film that we used to watch when I was, uh, before I was a teenager, an American film called Father Knows Best. And we used to run home from school to watch Father Knows Best. Well, after all these years, I've learned Father, the Heavenly Father, He knows best. He said, is it time for you to build your house while you're ignoring the building of my house? I sent you back to build my house, not your house. So he says, consider your ways. Have a good think about it. What are the consequences of disobeying the plan and purpose that God called you to do? He said, you have sown much, worked hard in the fields, planted all your seed and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. On a day like this, that's true, boy. And he who earns wages, wow, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. So you got your salary, you stick it in your pocket, and you come home, and where is the money? You dropped out onto the footpath. And you come home with nothing. So God is saying, when you do not have the right priority, you lose the blessings that God wants to put on your life. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Have a good think about it. So what does God want them to do? He's told them to build his house. They said, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple that I may find pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Well, the old temple, in Solomon's temple, was built from the cedars of Lebanon. Very expensive, magnificent wood. But now God is saying, just go up to these mountains and get any sort of wood. It's a bit like what Jesus said. There were people, he called them to come. And they said, oh, I can't come. I've just got married and... Another one said, oh, I, I bought a field, so I've got to go and plant my crops. Oh, um, I bought some cattle. I've got to try them out. They all made excuses. They didn't have the right priority. So Jesus said, you go out into the highways and the byways. You go and find the sick, the lame, the, um, the, the, uh, the crippled. You find anybody who's willing to hear my voice and bring them into my house. Go up to the mountains. I don't care if it's not the cedars of Lebanon, God is saying. You bring any sort of wood. I just want you to get your priorities right. Build my house. <sighs> you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, you got it in your hands. You learn not to put it in your pockets because your pockets had holes in them. So now you got it in your hands. And you're bringing it home. And just as you're getting to the doorstep, God sneezed. Achoo! He blew it all away. 
In other words, you cannot expect the blessing of God when you're living with a wrong priority. God must be first. Because my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house, therefore the heavens above withhold the dew, the earth withholds its fruit. I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and on whatsoever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. So God was saying, you miss out on all of my blessings because you are so self-centered with your priorities. You're afraid of a little bit of persecution, opposition. Your priorities are wrong. You need to be restored to right priorities, putting God first in your life. And then God will open up the windows of heaven and he'll pour out a great blessing on your life. So then we come to the third message. And here we see that the people responded. In Haggai 1, 12 to 15, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord. In other words, they said, no, okay, we're not going to make our own personal priorities number one. We're going to return and make God's priorities number one in our lives. We want the blessing of God in our lives. We want to be able to see God being glorified. We want to see the multitudes coming into the kingdom of God. And so we know if we're going to have his blessing to do this, we need to have the right priorities. And so Zerubbabel and Jehozadak, the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people. So this is after they have repented and responded, and now they're going to obey. And the Lord says, I am with you, says the Lord. Before everything seems so tough. It's like when David wanted to restore the glory to Jerusalem. Wow, that sounded like a good idea. But then he built a new cart. And he got the oxen to pull the cart. But the word of the Lord had said that the Ark of the Covenant must be carried by the priests. It was a good idea, but not a God idea. And because King David had disobeyed, I mean, he had a good intention, but he did not ask the Lord. Don't be satisfied with just good ideas. Come get that priority right. Come to the word of God and say, Lord, what is it that you want? And when David repented and he came back to the Lord and he said to the people, we did not do what the Lord had commanded us. Now we must carry the ark on the shoulders of the priests. And it says, and the Lord helped the priests. See, when we get our priorities right, God will be right there with us to help us. We will find those insurmountable problems can be overcome easily. God can just do it so powerfully. It's amazing. When Annette and I, in, in our years in Indonesia and in other countries of the world as well, in the Middle East, we have seen God do such amazing things. When you put God first, it's amazing what he will do. Those priorities. 
So I'm with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts. You know, they're going up to the mountains and they're looking at this. And they said, this is nothing in comparison to the cedars of Lebanon. But God said to bring it. Go into the highways, byways, bring them in. Get your priorities right. And they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Now, we're not going to be able to do chapter 2, but I will do the first prophecy of chapter 2. The final three prophetic messages are in Haggai 2. You're going to have to look at 5 and 6 for yourself. But the fourth one, the first one of chapter 2, because they had obeyed, God said, there's a greater glory coming. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. See, God wasn't giving secrets just to the leadership. He wanted everybody to be involved. When Jesus gave the great commission, go. And preach the gospel. He didn't just say that for the apostles. That was for everyone who believes and follows Jesus Christ. We had to go. And now God is saying to his people in Haggai, go. And he gives them this message. You see, some of the old people, they were still a little bit discouraged. And the Lord asked this question to them. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? You know, you real oldies, you know, the ones after 70 years of captivity, you know, maybe you were 20 years old when uh, you left Jerusalem and you had this glorious temple, cedars of Lebanon. And now you see this new building being built with any old wood from the mountains and you're saying this is nothing in comparison to the old one. I, I prefer, you know, how many people do we hear temples? Oh, I like, I love the olden days. You know, I guess that's why a lot of people like to go and pay a lot of money for antiques, which will probably fall to pieces pretty quickly after you start using them because they're so old. Anyway, the Lord says, in comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? But then he, he wants to encourage them again. Be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Be strong, all your people of the land, says the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. And here is his promise. When you get your priorities right, when you obey the Lord, when you say, yes, I'm going to put God number one. I'm going to build his house. I'm going to see the glory of God filling this place. And the Lord says, according to the word that I covenanted with you, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it's a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry lands. And I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. 
and the glory of this latter temple, this one that you think is nothing. It's just got little bits of wood from the local mountains. It hasn't got the cedar of Lebanon. You think it's nothing, but I'm telling you, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace. You've got all of this trouble in your hearts. You're facing difficulties. Things are not going right financially. Maybe some of the studies are a little bit difficult and you're finding it hard to get through. You get your priorities right and God is going to bless you. God is going to reveal his power and his grace and his glory because when people put God first, and Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things are going to be added on. Why be pushing? Why be worried? Why be confused? God is going to look after you. God is going to bless you when you make him your number one priority. Wow. God's going to do a great thing.